Well, Merry Christmas. I hope you're excited to be here. Why don't you grab your Bibles? We're going to find our place in Isaiah chapter 9. So this week is Christmas. This week you'll probably be spending a lot of time uh, with your families, a lot of time maybe traveling. Uh, My family and I took about a a six-hour, six-and-a-half-hour drive yesterday. So uh, we're a little tired, but we... We uh, spent time with family, which many of you maybe will do. You'll eat probably more than you should. You'll open a few presents, give a few presents. You'll probably be with some people that, um, you know, maybe it'll be a little bit like Cousin Eddie. I don't know. Um, uh, And maybe it'll be a little awkward, a little difficult to be around some extended family like Cousin Eddie. Who knows? Um, But you maybe are in a situation for which you need peace. Um, this year, uh, well, last year was our first Christmas without Lauren's dad. Last year he passed away, and uh, it was difficult. Christmas was difficult uh, to be without him. And my girls love and know their papa, and they think about him in heaven a lot. And maybe, maybe this Christmas will be tough for you in that regard. Or maybe it's um, difficult for you because relationships that you're in right now are struggling, broken. Maybe your marriage is struggling. And Christmas may not have the luster that maybe it once had. Well, I want to bring us good news. I want to speak some peace over us today because we're talking about the Prince of Peace. And so I want to share with you uh, really, really good news, the best news in the world. My goal this morning is uh, to, to bring us to think a little bit deeper about the birth of Christ. To help you think a little bit deeper about the birth of Christ, to teach us about Christ as our eternal King and Comforter. Our King and Comforter. And then to give us some specific reasons that we run to Him for peace. So Isaiah chapter, chapter 9, verses 6 and 7, and now that you've finally settled into your seats, would you stand with me as we honor God's Word and read from Isaiah the prophet, Some 700 years before Jesus was born, Isaiah received a prophecy from the Lord and he wrote. And I just want us to focus in on verses 6 and 7 this morning. Isaiah says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of His government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over His kingdom, to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness. From this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Jesus, we trust that this is your word about you. Lord, help us to see and savor Christ today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can be seated. So I want to focus our attention this morning on Jesus as the Prince of Peace. I want us to think specifically about this title, those two words, separately first, and then we'll look at them together. So thinking about them separately, the first word is what? 
Y'all, y'all, this is the part where you you contribute, right? The first word is what? Prince. So, prince. The word prince is, I don't want us to think about it like we think of a Disney princess and her prince. I want you to think about it like a prince of a kingdom, a ruler, a governing authority. The word here is sar. It's where we've kind of developed the word czar, C-Z-A-R. And it's meant a governing, ruling authority, a chief, uh, a leader over an army, kind of a, a ruler. I want us to look specifically at what this scripture in Isaiah 9 says about this prince. Specifically, here's what it says. Um, It says, of the increase of his government, so the expanse of his leadership, and of his peace, the impact of his leadership. The expanse and impact of his leadership, there will be no end. So, no end to the increase of his reign and his rest. So this prince that's coming, there's going to be an ever-increasing rule, ever-increasing region of people over which he's in charge, and ever-increasing rest, ever-increasing peace. What else does it say? It says he will sit on the throne of David. He'll be the king over the people of God. That's all the children of God. And this is... What we see in Christ is a fulfillment of a covenant that God made with David. With King David, God said, your throne will last forever. And in Jesus, that promise is fulfilled. It says that this prince will establish and uphold his kingdom with two things. Do you remember what they were? Look at it. It's in verse 7. He says, on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it. With what? Justice and righteousness. I want you to imagine. You remember the the imagery, the the picture of the guy holding the world, the big strong man, he's holding the world like this. You remember that image? Anybody? Am I the only one that knows that statue? I want you to think of that imagery of holding the world, but the arms are justice and righteousness. This king, this ruler is coming to hold, to uphold, and to establish his kingdom with justice and righteousness. This is probably a a problem for us because, well, wouldn't it be great if our governing authorities operated on those two guiding principles, justice and righteousness? Right now, it seems that there's nobody in the governing authority that we can trust. Almost no one, right? But this king, this prince is establishing his kingdom. So the foundations of his kingdom and then the pillars of his kingdom are righteousness and justice. And what does the Bible say about how long will his kingdom last? It says from this time and forevermore. So this king He's going to sit on a throne. He's going to establish his governing rule with justice and righteousness from now forevermore. And then I love how this verse ends. Look at it with me in verse 7. It says, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. This is a guarantee, a promise that um, it's the kind of guarantee that needs nothing else. It is certain. The zeal. Of the Lord of hosts. That means a Lord of armies. 
His passion, his zeal is going to accomplish this. All right, I want to give you three, uh, three focuses today as we walk through this. Here's the first thing. When we think about prince, we think about ruler. So prince is a ruler. If you're taking notes with me, I'm going to try to help you filling in some blanks here. Uh, prince is a ruler. And then peace, the word is shalom. And what I want you to write in the blank there is rest. Rest. The, the word shalom doesn't just mean an absence of war. It means a completeness, a wholeness, a fulfillment. A, something was broken and is now mended and perfectly whole. Here's what I want you to think about internally. How that feels is rest. A ruler and rest. So here's the reality. There is a ruler in Christ who wants you to know true rest. But here's the thing. You will only know His rest under His rule. Listen, this is what we mean when we talk about Prince of Peace. If you go home with anything else today, this is the main thing I want you to take away. Here it is, listen. You will only know His rest under His rule. The Prince of Peace. You'll only know His peace if He's your Prince. You'll only know serenity if you surrender. You'll only know tranquility if you trust in this God. There's only rest under His rule. So the first thing we want to see is this. Jesus is the Prince. This passage is beautiful. Um, His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And then it gives us all this detail about His government and how He will rule, how He will lead. I want you to take your Bible with me and go to the Gospel of Luke. The kids this morning, memory verse was in the Gospel of Luke. I want you to go to Luke chapter 1 and see what the angel says to Mary and then what the angel says to the shepherds. I love that our children are in here today. Mine's up here coloring on stuff. It's great. Right here on the floor, right beside me. That's awesome. Um, I hope uh, as our kids are with us this week and next week that uh, we'll try to be intentional as moms, dads, grandparents to uh, let our kids see us loving God's Word and loving worship. This is how we disciple our kids. It's not just sitting them down and teaching them what's right. It's modeling that for them, right? Showing them What matters to us. So as they're sitting with you, the best thing you could do is stay intently focused on the Word of God, okay? So here we go. Uh, Luke chapter 1. I want you to think back to what we just talked about from Isaiah 9. And I want you to see what the angel says to Mary. Look in verse verse 30. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. For you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. And he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. Are you connecting dots back to Isaiah 9? And he will reign over the house of Jacob for how long? Forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. Are you seeing that the prophecy of Isaiah is being fulfilled in a coming Christ? 
I want you to skip over into chapter 2. You're in your Bible, Luke chapter 2. I want us to read what the angels say to the shepherds. So look at verse 9. Luke 2, beginning in verse 9. It says, And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly, so there was an announcement given by the one angel, but then there's a celebration for which a choir of angels shows up. Suddenly there was an uh, With the angel, a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom He's pleased. I want you to see this. Everybody look this way. Glory to God, peace to men. Those things are not distinctly separated. Glory to God leads to peace with men. I'm going to talk about that. But here's number one. Jesus is the prince. He's the ruler of his kingdom. A ruler of a kingdom that brings peace. Reagan, come here, babe. Oh, I just scared her. <laughs> hey, come here. This is my middle child. Reagan, you've been having some bad dreams, haven't you? You have. Mm-hmm. Hey, look Look this way. Where do you go when you have bad dreams? To my daddy. Why do you come to daddy? Because I'm scared. And why do you think daddy can help you? Because I think that, you're, that, you, that you can help me. Okay, that's good, baby. Love you. My kids right now are having bad dreams a lot. I don't know why. Um, we're not watching Freddy Krueger or anything. I don't know what's going on. Um, maybe, yeah. But uh, they always come into our bedroom, and I don't always hear them. And Reagan in particular, she's sneaky. She comes right up and gets right in my face. And um, I'm lying there, and, and we're just, we're, I mean, deep, dark, sleep. And here comes this child, and... And she's literally right here. Daddy. Daddy. And you open your eyes and there's this little, there are these other little eyes like right there. Um, But here's what I love. Um, She'll say, Daddy, I had a bad dream. I'm scared. And all I say is, come here. That's all I have to say. Just come here. I pull the covers open and she'll climb up in bed with me. That doesn't last long, by the way. She's a kicker. (laughs) But she'll get in bed with me and within seconds, she's asleep again. Within seconds. All I have to say is, come to me. And what I want you to know is we have a prince who's a ruler. He's strong and able to rule over your anxieties, your fears. But this is our prince, Jesus. And here's what he says to us. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. Come to me. 
And you will find what? Rest. We only find rest when we come to Him. And here's the thing. You only find rest because He's the ruler. The only rest we have is under His rule. We climb up with Him and you will find rest. I want to move to the second thing. These two are kind of linked. The second thing is this. Jesus' rule and His reign. Jesus' rule and reign brings true peace. His rule and reign brings true peace. And when I talk about peace, I'm not just talking about um, I've got a peaceful, easy feeling. I'm not just talking about that, right? I'm talking about more than a feeling. I'm talking about a kind of confidence, a kind of assurance in an outcome. Like you know what's going to happen. Peace is at the opposite end of the spectrum from worry and fear and anxiety. Peace is over here. Worry, fear, and anxiety are over here. The definition of peace, the word shalom, I told you earlier, means wholeness, completeness, fullness. Something was broken and is now mended and stronger than it was before. It's fulfillment. It's completion. Something is done. It's the same idea after God created for six days. He did His work of creation. And then on the seventh day, the Bible says that on the seventh day, God what? Rested. It's the same idea. It's this. It's complete. It's finished. Shalom. Rest. So the idea of Sabbath, of rest and peace is wrapped up in the same idea of shalom. That's the way the Hebrew people still greet each other. Shalom, shalom. And it's kind of a greeting, but it's much deeper than that. It's not simply the absence of war or conflict. It's a finished. Something is complete. You know, after God finished His work of creation, that's what He, he said. In essence, He said, it's finished. And He sat back and rested. It's not that God was tired. God doesn't get tired. He wasn't weary. It was just finished. And so there was rest. There was shalom. In the same way, when Jesus is finishing His work on the cross, one of His last statements on the cross was what? It is finished. In the same way, Jesus finished His great work. And He looks back and He says, It is done. It's complete. It's finished. It's the same idea of rest in something completed. Something was broken. is now made whole. <clears throat> Jesus' rule brings a kind of certainty that removes fear. <coughs> the fear of circumstances, the fear of unknown, the, whatever fears you may have, His rule is the kind of rule and reign that brings peace. So I want to encourage you with a couple of things. Um, We'll get to this uh, deeper in just a moment, but Colossians 3.5, or 3.15 says this, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Let the peace of Christ rule. Isn't that interesting? That even in the way the New Testament writers talk about His peace, they talk about it in terms of authority. It's because the, the rest of Jesus, the, the peace of Christ you can't know it apart from His rule. His rule brings His rest. So the Scripture says, let the, 
Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. So one of the ways we do that, if we keep reading that scripture in Colossians 3, one of the next phrases is this. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. So one of the ways that we practically let the peace of Christ rule in our hearts is we get the word of Christ to reign in our minds. All right, I want to... I want to throw some scriptures at you. If you're writing, if you're taking notes, I want you to write the references down. We're going to try to get the the words on the screen for you. But I want you to remember these and go back to them because these these are bullets you need to put in your gun for peace. Okay? These are, this is tools in your tool belt for peace. Check these verses out. Deuteronomy 31 verse 6. Be strong and courageous. Do not fear or be in dread of them, the enemy, for it is the Lord your God who goes with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. If Christ the Lord were weak, unable or unwilling to protect you, this would not be comforting. There would be plenty of reason to fear. But just like my children come to me, it's because they know and believe that not only am I able, but I'm willing to protect them. I am with them, just as you are with your children. In this passage, the Lord writes to His people, and He says, be strong and courageous. He will never leave you or forsake you. The next verse I want you to see is Psalm 56, 3 and 4. This is a great one to memorize. It goes like this. When I am afraid, I put my trust in you. Isn't that good? Very simple. When I'm afraid, I put my trust in you. And the next verse says, In God, whose word I praise, in God I trust, I shall not be afraid. What can flesh or what can man do to me? I love those verses. Psalm 34, verse 4. It says, I sought the Lord and He answered me and delivered me from all my fears. Psalm 23, 4. Many of you know this psalm. Yea, oh, I'll say, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will what? Fear no evil. Why? For you are with me. Isn't that good? Why do you you not fear evil? Because he's with you. Who's with you? The Prince of Peace who rules and reigns. He brings peace to your fears. Why? Because he's powerful. His power, His governing authority brings peace. I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod, your staff, they comfort me. Psalm 27, 1. Love this verse. Psalm 27, 1. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Isaiah 35, 4. Say to those who have an anxious heart, If you're in the room, hear this word for you. Be strong. Fear not. Why? Behold, your God will come with vengeance, with the recompense of God. He will come and He will save you. Isn't that good? God will come and He will save you. If you're anxious, hear that word today. Isaiah 43, 1. But now thus says the Lord. He who created you, O Jacob. He who formed you, O Israel. Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. Don't you love that? 
God created you. He formed you. He redeemed you. Don't be afraid. He's called you by name. I love it. Isaiah 41. I'm going to read 10 through 11 because it's just so good. Isaiah 41 verses 10 through 11. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Behold, all who are incensed against you shall be put to shame and confounded. Those who strive against you shall be as nothing and shall perish. You shall seek those who contend with you, but you shall not find them. Those who war against you shall be as nothing at all. For I, the Lord, your God, hold your right hand. It is I who say to you, fear not. I am the one who helps you. Don't you love that verse? Fear not. I'm the one who helps you. And then the last one I want you to see is in the New Testament. It's in 1 Peter verses five, or chapter 5, verses 6 and 7. Peter gives an admonition, and just so we've got the background here, he's writing to a people who are being deeply persecuted under what they think is the rule of Nero, and uh, he's killing Christians left and right. And Peter's writing to a, a group of Christians who have kind of been dispersed, but, but many of them are being killed. And here's what he says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. Listen to that. The mighty hand of God. So that at the proper time, He may exalt you. And then the next verse, casting all your anxieties on Him because He cares for you. Here's the thing I want us to grab hold of right here is this. In our minds, especially in the American culture, Western culture, we don't equate rule with rest. Whether you, whether you um, own this or not, we almost have an anarchist mentality deep within. We're so independent that we don't want anybody ruling us, right? Unfortunately, Jesus, well, fortunately, Jesus came to rule. Can I have everybody's attention for just a second? Eyes right here. He will have it no other way. He will have it no other way. He will be Lord of your life. Or He will not be your God. That's it. Apart from surrender to Christ as Lord, you will not know His rest. But trust in this. If you surrender to Jesus Christ as Lord... You'll have rest forevermore. Thirdly, Jesus doesn't just bring peace. His rule and reign doesn't just bring peace. He is our peace. Jesus is our peace. Ephesians 2, 13 and 14, it says, uh, you, But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For He Himself is our peace. It's not just that He makes peace for us. He is our peace. Who has made us both one and has broken down in His flesh the dividing wall of hostility. Jesus is our peace. There's a lot more there than we have time to explain. But let me just say it to you this way. We do not have a king 
that's at the top of um, a stairway to heaven. There's a song by that name, right? <laughs> top of a stairway to heaven. He's not a king that's up there saying, come on, you can do it. Just take another step. You'll get to me. Keep going. Keep stepping. You're doing all right. Hang on. Keep going. That's not our God. Our God came down the steps to us. Amen. He came to be one of us. And He came so that we would no longer be in Adam, condemned to death, but that we would be in Christ, born into a new lineage, with new DNA, a Holy Spirit given to us. Our peace is unique. It's not just serenity and tranquility and, oh, it's a peaceful, easy feeling. No, it's a certainty because you are in Christ. And Christ is in you. God, the King of the world, came to you. That's what Christmas is all about. There is a key to peace. There's a key, so to speak, that unlocks the door to peace. I'm going to tell you what it is. The angels announced it. The key to peace is glory. The key to peace is glory. The angels had it right in Luke 2.14. Glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace. If you want to have a heart at peace, spend your life glorifying God. Let me give you quickly three relationships that Jesus wants you to have peace. I'm going to try to do this in five minutes, okay? The first relationship Jesus wants you to have peace is this. It's, it's foundational, most important, is this. Peace with God. Peace with God. Romans chapter 5, in verse 1 Paul writes and says, Therefore, since we've been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through our Lord, through our Master, through the Prince, our Ruler, our King, Jesus Christ. We have been justified by faith. He wants you to have peace with God. Let's see if we remember. Let's see if you remember the good news of the Gospel. Here it is. You ready? Bad news, our bad people can be made right with a good God through Jesus Christ. Say it with me if you remember. Ready? Bad people can be made right with a good God through Jesus Christ. That's, a, that's the summary of the gospel we talked about as we talked through the book of Jonah. Here's the reality. We're all bad people. But we can be made right with God. When, when this scripture says justified, what it means and it's going to go on to say it in Romans 5, is that you're declared righteous by a holy judge. You stand on trial before God for your sins, whatever they may be. No matter how bad your sins are, you stand before a holy God and every one of us are guilty. That's the first reality. We are bad people. But we can be made right, declared righteous. How? Through Jesus Christ. He is our peace. He stands in between us and the Holy God and says, I want to take their punishment. I want you to give to them my righteousness. Give me their guilt. Let them have my righteousness. That's what it means to have peace with God. Let me ask you, do you have peace with God today? 
Do you have peace with God today? How do you know? The second thing Jesus wants to be Prince of Peace in your life and give you a relationship is, strangely enough, peace with yourself. This is very difficult. So much of life is hard. There are storms. There are seasons of suffering. There's grief. There's, there's cancer. There's sickness. There's death. There's addiction. There's all kinds of issues. Jesus wants you to have peace with yourself. The Scripture I want you to take note of here is a, a beautiful and difficult command. Here's what it says in Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, make your requests known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Quick takeaway. Your heart and your mind are under attack. You know that? Your heart and your mind are under attack. There's an enemy, there's the world, and there's your own flesh that are constantly attacking your heart and your mind. They're under attack. How do you you guard? Well, first of all, you know that Jesus is your guard. He's the ruler. He's the prince. He's the the guardian over your life. But how do you guard your heart and mind? Well, this scripture says to pray. It says don't be anxious about anything, but in everything pray. So that means to humble yourself. Let your request, your, your supplications be made known to God. So humility and then there's this trust factor that you come to God and you say, God, I trust you with this. You give Him your requests. And then thanksgiving. Lord, I trust you. I'm thankful, God, for how you've shown me that you're so faithful. I'm grateful for you, Lord. Humility, trust, thanksgiving. All that's wrapped up right there. And then another way we already talked about is to let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. Go to war with the enemy of peace with the truth of the Scripture. The last relationship the Lord wants you to have peace in is this. Peace with others. So peace with God, peace with yourself, peace with others. This was pretty difficult because you can't control others, right? The only one you can control is you. So that's why we just want to word it like the Apostle Paul does in Romans 12, 18. He says, if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. And here's what I would say. Give the grace that you have received. So I feel like I need to speak to this um, as Christ followers. We're to be people of peace. Peacemakers. So think twice about your tweets. Think twice about the posts you put on Facebook. Think, think twice about the things you say, the text messages you send. Think twice, maybe three times about those, those things. And think, am I being a peacemaker with this? Am I a person of peace? Does this represent Christ well? Let me say one other thing about peace with others. There are going to be times where you extend peace and it comes flying back in your face. People don't receive well many times. You're you're kind and you get slapped. 
right? So what, what I want to say to that, I want to say this. Be amazed at the grace of God in your own life more than you are amazed at the lack of grace from that person. Let me say it again. Be amazed at the grace of God in your own life more than you're amazed at the lack of grace from other people. Amen. People are not good at that. You know, we're, we're hard to get along with sometimes. And many times somebody does you wrong, they wrong you and you're like, I can't believe they would do that to me. Right? We get all riled up. I can't believe. How dare she say that? I can't believe they. We get amazed at the lack of grace from others. And the way to trump that is to be amazed at the good grace we've received from God. If you're constantly thinking bad people, that's me, that's me. Bad people can be made right with a good God through Jesus Christ. That's me. God has shown me such grace. If you're constantly amazed at the grace of God you've received, it really doesn't matter that much whether or not people show a lot of grace to you. So I just want to challenge you to constantly posture yourself as a grace recipient and it'll help you to be a peacemaker with others. Let me come back to the bottom line of this message and I'm finished. And then I want to celebrate the Prince of Peace in the way that he made peace with God for us through communion. The bottom line is this. If you go away with nothing else, here it is. You will not know peace apart from surrender to Christ. There is no rest outside of his rule. There is no rest outside of His reign and rule. There's no such thing as salvation without surrender to Him as Lord. I hope we know that. There's no such thing. Jesus called people to follow Him, not just to believe in Him. There is no rest apart from His rule. So here's the call in line with that. This morning, maybe, maybe you need to surrender to the shelter. I love that we read Psalm 91. Under the shelter of His wings, right? Maybe you need to surrender to the shelter of Christ's Lordship today. He's a prince, ruler, king. Maybe for you, you need to fight for peace in your heart and mind. Fight for peace with truth. Know the Word. We just went through some scriptures that would be great tools in your tool belt. And then lastly, be a person of peace. These are three takeaways for you. One, surrender to Christ. Two, fight for peace in your own heart and mind. And lastly, be a person of peace. Extend to others the grace that you have received. The way I'd like to finish up this morning is just, uh, I, I want you to, where you see it, just to bow your heads for a minute. We're about to observe communion. That's the Lord's Supper. It's, it's where we really focus in on how Jesus purchased our peace. He purchased it with His broken body and His shed blood.
So we're going to sing a, a song. The, the worship team is coming now and there'll be some music, but I, I don't want to miss a moment of reflection as they sing. And I want us to think about Christ and how he has, what He has done to make peace on our behalf. And here's what He's done. He came to you. That's the baby in the manger. But He didn't stay a baby. He lived a perfect life, sinless. The Bible says... That He was tempted in every way, just as we are, yet without sin. He was perfect. And this perfect, spotless Lamb was sacrificed on a rugged cross. And you have to ask, why? Why would Jesus leave His throne in glory and come to a manger and then ultimately to a cross. Why would He do it? Because He wants you to have peace with God. The Bible says in 1 Peter 3.18, here's why He did it. He did it to bring you to God. To bring you to God. Do you have peace with God in your life? Has Jesus made peace on your behalf? Have you put all of your faith Have you surrendered to Him as Lord? I want to give you just a minute to respond as we sing. And then on the back end of this song, we're going to celebrate as a church um, together the sacrifice of Christ. If you would like to come and pray, there's a place of prayer here to my side and there's the altar behind me. And we would love for you to feel the freedom to just come and confess sin Um, trust in Christ for salvation. However you need to respond to the Lord in this time, do that. And then we'll celebrate His death and resurrection through communion together.